Hello and welcome back to True Crime Guys Podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and as always, Andy's here with me. Andy, how's it going, man? It's going so good. I get a little bit more movement in these good fingers Is that again. finger healing up, man? Oh, it's starting to. Look at that. I can almost make a good little fist now. Almost. Almost. Look at that wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. You can almost flip them the ring finger. Uh, but guys, we thank you for joining us again, whether it's on a podcast app or on YouTube. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a review if you can, leave a comment if you have a case suggestion. But this week, we are covering part two of the Stephen Beard murder, the uh, crazy love triangle that has basically become a, a, a cliche in true crime at this point. But when this case happened back in the 90s, well, it was uh, it, it was it blew people's minds. Let's put it to you that way. It was actually the pilot episode of one of Oxygen's most popular series, Snapped. Um, the pilot episode. So you know, like I said in the first part, if they're using this story as a pilot episode, they're really trying to make an impression. Yeah, they're trying. And to... it does have everything that a good true crime story uh, needs. If they're, really they're going to use your case to start a new crime series, you've you've made definitely made an impression somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. She was not, not only that; she actually came back late in another season too. They actually like a follow up with her, so she's been on the show actually multiple times. So that's telling you something. Yeah. Um, but guys, since we uh, since this is a part two, we're going to get right into it. What we did was we left off where the officer's attention has now been turned to Tracy Tarleton, and they are going to her house to interview Tracy and get her side of this twisted love triangle. You know, they've heard the story from Celeste. They've heard the story from Celeste's daughters. Now they're going to see what Tracy has to say, and oh my God, if you thought there was, the story was done with twists and turns, you are wrong. So fast, shotgun blast, coming face to face with the truth. She's a gold digger, she's a cold heart killer too. And after so fast, shotgun blast on the floor, they found the She didn't pull the trigger, she found someone. So the officers began to question her about the details of her and Celeste's relationship, right? So, but at first, she attempted to be quite coy. She admitted to the officers that the two women were, you know, just friends. I mean, that's such a that's such like a casual answer, especially back in the nineties or something like that. It's like, oh, we're just friends. We're just we're friends. Just friends. <laughs> just good good friends that sleep together. Uh, with one investigator staying with uh, Tracy to continue the questioning, another decided to walk around the apartment. You know, as as officers should do, in hopes that something might catch their eye. And in a very David Fincher-esque moment, the officer peeked into one of the back rooms and saw what could only be described as a all-out shrine dedicated to her just friend, adorned with candles and pictures of Celeste and the two of them together. It's like it's like a scene out of Seven or something like that, man. That's, you that's know, the first thing I thought, too, just like the detective being like one guy's talking all casually. Oh, no, I didn't know him. And that other guy just kind of peeks in the closet and like, like, <gasps> Reminds cover, me, cover. Reminds me of uh, Helga's shrine to Hey Arnold. Yeah. <laughs> she's got bubble gum that she chewed on there, little, little patches of hair. Got a real football for yeah. the hair. <laughs> real football. But after seeing the shrine, the officers shifted their questioning to the shooting of Stephen Beard very quickly, right? And uh, strongly denying any involvement in the attack, police then asked Tracy if she happened to own a shotgun which Tracy was actually quite happy about this. It's like she almost wanted to show off her shotgun because apparently it was a custom shotgun made just for her. I think, it, what, did it have her initials on it? I think something I think like that. It, it had like an engraving to it or something. But yeah, yeah it, was, it had something like, engraved. Oh, hell yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I got a shotgun. It's badass. 
I've been waiting for you to ask me about my shotgun. <laughs> so with Tracy apparently thinking there would be no physical evidence tying her to the shooting, she allowed the police to take the gun for ballistics. Yeah, check it out. Show your friends. Everybody always um, wants to borrow my shotgun. Right? And just and wouldn't you know it, Andy, just a few days later, the ballistics test came back with a 100% match. She'd be called into the police station on October 8th for a an official interview. You know, it's all in the wording. They got to get an official interview. We just need you to come down to the station, yeah. fill out some paperwork, wear these handcuffs. What? Yeah, it felt like the it felt like a very much Chris Han- Chris Hansen. Like, why don't you have a seat? Why don't you just why don't you just come in and just have a yeah, seat? Just have we a just seat. Want, we just want to talk for him. Why don't you have a seat? That's all. No big deal. I was thinking how it got. It would probably be hard. I never really looked into ballistics on shotgun casings, but you would think it's got to be hard to to match a shotgun pellet. You you got to figure out a way to match the casing or the slug. Well, I they're guess, matching but, the casing, yeah. Yeah, because you couldn't match like the bullet. You couldn't have any rifling or any kind of markings. All no, the no, pellets you're gone, just so. looking at the scrape of the of the shell. Yeah, I, know, I was wondering I how you would do it at first. I'm like, how are you gonna match all those pellets that are in there? Oh, they can do it, man. They can do it. And uh, when they confronted Tracy with the results of the test, her story began to fall apart, as you can imagine. And Tracy quickly confessed to shooting Stephen Beard in his bed almost a week prior. Now, Tracy was then arrested and charged with attempted murder, because remember, Stephen is still in the hospital. But after quickly posting her bail, she was released, and police were left waiting for their next break in the case. I wondered if she posted that bail or if maybe she already had some cash stashed away from from Celeste or something. Yeah, you don't think Celeste did it? I, I don't know. They, they do she say may- that she posted her own bail, so I'm wondering if maybe True. Celeste had already kind of given her some cash just in case. I mean, or- she was the owner of a bookstore, right? Maybe just she the had. Maybe she was at all oh, the manager. Just the manager of the mm, bookstore. Middle management, yeah. yeah. The assistant to the regional. <laughs> right, yeah. They probably didn't make a whole lot of money. No. <laughs> but she only had to come up with 10% of the bail, right? Mm-hmm. So you only got to come up with 5,000. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not quite as bad. Um, but unfortunately, the next major break in this case wouldn't come for another three months, and it came in the worst way possible. In January of 2000, after only three months in the hospital, Stephen returned home, but not in the way that anyone would have hoped for, and not in the way that a medical professional would have recommended. Instead of living health care or having a nurse come by and take care of Steve during his recovery, Celeste opted to bring her husband back where she could take care of him herself, in her words. And uh, she also stated that this is what Stephen wanted. Okay, telepathically, he was sending this to her. There's so much, yeah, um, so many of her statements are, it's, oh, it's what Stephen wanted. It's when did he Stephen say wanted. this? He told me. He, He's been unconscious for three months. Yeah, well, he, yeah, he did he? wake up. He did no, wake he, up and get yeah, to go back. He wasn't in still, a coma, but still, he's out of it, man. Yeah, this is a 70-year-old man who's having to have major abdominal surgeries, reconstructive things, also, put in, like, you know, taking chunks out of him. He's not in, like, clear head. He's not, like, you know, all there all the time. No, but, uh, but I feel like, unless he's just being drugged up in a ridiculous amount, I feel like he would still be able to, to confess his own uh, ideas and, like, what he wants done with his life. Like, he... Why... Why is she speaking for him? He was able to call 911 right after being shot. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you'd think he'd be a little more stable at this point. Maybe that was the, um, kind of one of the last times he was as lucid as he could have been. Yeah, I'm sure she had something to do uh, with his current condition. But uh, sadly, Stephen would only last a day back home after being brought home by Celeste, uh, with his condition taking a sharp turn for the worst almost overnight. Celeste called Stephen's personal physician to have him come and check on Stephen once he was admitted back into uh, the hospital. 
Despite his personal doctor stating that he didn't seem in a bad condition, Stephen was admitted by the hospital staff for a yeast infection. And gosh, it's like, what was this personal doctor, what did he have to gain from saying that he was in a great condition when obviously he had gone downhill? It's like even Celeste called the doctor. Yeah, she. I feel like she needed a second opinion, or she was trying. It does throw a little bit of suspicion on the doc, on his personal physician, and it does throw some more on Celeste to be like, "Who are you trying to get on your side here? Who are you right. trying to also back your story?" It's like, is there like a and that might be it too? Maybe or- Stephen wanted to go back to the hospital, and she's saying, "Well, let's just call your personal physician and see what he thinks." Someone who I've already spoken with. Yeah. Shit. Who knows, man? She could have had an affair with this dude too. There is no, you, there you, really there's, no question. There is no telling. Or, yeah, no telling at this point. Uh, Stephen's condition continued to decline, however, over the following day. After more tests, it was confirmed that he had contracted a blood infection and would be prescribed antibiotics. Now, according to reports, the medication was prescribed in the morning of January 22nd, but not actually given out until around 1 p.m. Shortly following the diagnosis and initial dose of medication, Stephen Beard was pronounced dead, with the official cause being listed as sepsis infection. I was wondering about that. There's no, there's no conf- confirmation to whether or not Celeste kept, like, you know, delayed the medication getting to him, or if that was just, you know, hospital red tape and shift stuff or something mm-hmm. like that. But it does. It just throws one more little bit of suspicion to be like, is she dragging this out as long as possible? Right. Is she trying to prevent him from getting the medicine? Did they bring the late? medication in and she say something like, "I'll give it to him. Just leave it on the table. I'll give it to him when he wakes up." And then, you know, hours later. The infection had already spread too far. Yeah, and some nurse comes by and says, you still yeah. giving that to him yet? We'd like, he needs to yeah, have that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but once Stephen passed, Tracy's charges were raised to murder, and she was quickly arrested for the second time. Yet still, even after Stephen had succumbed to his wounds, Tracy refused to provide any sort of motive or reasoning for shooting him. That's got to be so frustrating. Well, she, like, didn't yeah, wanna, did she didn't want to implicate anyone else. Yeah, but you just see what like, I'm yeah, saying? Why'd you do it? Mm. No reason. Just, just because? I'm bipolar. Yeah, just because. It, it happens. Who knows? Um, but with Tracy now incarcerated and Stephen's funeral now in her rearview mirror, Celeste began to let her guard down. Maybe a little bit too much. Oh, yeah. A bit. Uh, that's an understatement. Yeah, a little bit too much. Uh, because guess what? She started spending again hard this time. She hired a new personal assistant and began taking luxurious trips and even liquidating what real estate that Stephen still had to hopefully help cover some of the cost of her new life that she had planned for herself. Because if you still don't have thing. enough money for your life at this point, yeah, I, how much how much have you already blown through with that fortune? If you're trying to liquidate his I, real estate assets after I'm, this, like I'm sure he left a lot to his children too. I'm sure you know. Oh, what I'm yeah. saying in the will, I'm sure she didn't get the biggest chunk. No, his children got some. Her daughters were going to get some. So, yeah, she she had to figure out a way to get more for herself. Exactly. I mean, you want to spend one hundred and twenty five grand a month, man. You got you to really step up. Oh, yeah. Um, but all the while, she initially told friends and family that she was going to be away for a while due to her overwhelming grief. Um, she actually said she was checking into a mental health facility. Yeah, yeah. But what that actually ended up being was just a trip to Houston, you know, for a rodeo, followed by a deluxe stay at a Louisiana casino with her newly hired assistant, who, by the way, would later testify against Celeste in her own trial. More on that in a bit. Definitely helped put her away. But in just five months after Stephen's passing, Celeste would find love again. Wouldn't you know it, Andy? She's just such a lovable person. I mean, good for her. That, like I, I mean, said, that's just, silver lining. Everyone right? gets a second chance. I mean, what do you expect her to do? Just live in sadness her whole life? I she's mean, young. She's a catch, Michael. She is an absolute catch. 
Um, a newly single gal, you know, a couple million dollars in spending money. What's a 41-year-old bartender not to love? Am I right, Andy? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I did like her. Like, the new guy's <laughs> name was, like, Cole Johnson. I feel like she just picked a guy with the last name Johnson Cole so she Johnson. could just go back to the... <laughs> Sounds like a pop country artist. She's like, I don't want to have to go through the paperwork of, like, changing it back. So if I yeah. just marry somebody, that's it's quicker just to... I'm just going to marry another Johnson. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, but yeah, now she's ready to start her new life, and she decided to buy a home in Fort Worth, claiming that she wanted to be closer to her, her new family, the Johnsons, but more than likely, she was probably just trying to put some distance between herself and Tracy, who was no doubt going to flip on her. Um, now, during all this time that Celeste was out living it up, Stacy was meanwhile waiting patiently behind bars for the help that she had been promised. Now, after Celeste's impulsive marriage made the local papers... Tracy started to realize she might not get that help and decided it was time to give the police a call and start talking. This is another one of those cinematic moments just to see, to, to imagine like the, the jilted lover sitting in a police or a holding cell being like, oh yeah, yeah. she's going to come get me soon. She's going to come gonna, get me. She's going to come bail me out. She's going to, and then they, they hand you the newspaper that morning. It's like, wait, she left? And she's out of town, married some new guy, yeah. is living a new life. And you're like, the fuck? Yes. Uh, Officer, <laughs> uh, exactly. So Can I now, have a word. So now we're going to get the behind the scenes of Tracy and Celeste's relationship, the stuff that the girls didn't see. So Tracy told police that the women's relationship together began when they were in treatment in St. David Pavilion Psychiatric Hospital, like we mentioned earlier. That was true. Celeste had painted a picture of herself to Tracy as this lonely woman um, trapped in both a loveless and abusive relationship with a much older man. Just trapped. He's so abusive. Uh, once out of treatment, the women continued to further their relationship behind Stephen's back, of course, and would stay over with each other multiple times a week. Now, over the following months, Celeste began laying the groundwork for her plan. She would tell Tracy how Stephen was abusing her both mentally and emotionally, claiming that she had only married him to gain custody of her daughter, and now she was trapped in this loveless marriage. She, yeah, she's saying that she used him, but now that he now he's holding it, she's openly saying like, "Oh, I was only using him for this, but now now he's like holding that against me." Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, wait, is he, are you mad at him for that? I'm I'm confused. <laughs> and all he does is offer me a million dollars. He just keeps bastard. getting money. Seriously. What the hell? And she also told Tracy that Stephen had become psychologically draining to her, and that she was spiraling into her depression. She would even claim, see, she's preying on Tracy's weaknesses and and feelings at this point by saying that like my mental state is getting worse that's where that's where you really get Tracy's goat right that's how you get her on your side because that's something Tracy can relate to mm -hmm. so you know amongst all of this stuff if you tell her like oh he's making my depression worse now Tracy feels like she needs to save her yeah, that guess like um, that trauma bonding they had done, they both feel like they can both connect on this. Oh my God, my, my mental exactly. health is failing. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I'm just, I'm getting so low. So yeah, it's it's very much like a she's painting this broken picture of herself. Exactly. She would even claim that Stephen had physically attacked both her and her daughters over the previous year, which was absolute bullshit, and that she was terrified of what he might do if she left him. Um, I don't know, live his life in riches and go back to the fucking... Go back this to the country bullshit, club, get a new man. waitress? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's absolute bullshit. 
uh, all the while Steven's like playing golf and like reading a book by the pool or some shit and just giving her money and credit cards. Yeah, I mean, I, they say that Steven's not an ignorant man and he's not oblivious, but there are a few points in this case where you have to look at Steven and go, dude, like what? <laughs> like there's, yeah. when they talk about there was like multiple other failed murder attempts, like this man would like just kept falling asleep really early and waking up not remembering anything and being yeah, like, hmm, yeah. wow, that one drink just knocked me out. Yeah. Why is this plastic bag here? Like, it just like, <laughs> there's a few things where, like, Steve, Steve, come on. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Some, we'll talk about that here in just a second. Uh, but so, Stacy, or Tracy, I'm sorry, feeling protective and sympathetic for her new lover, she agreed that she would help Celeste get rid of her abusive husband. And the two women began formulating plans to do so. Tracy would tell police about multiple attempts, as Andy alluded to, to kill Stephen before the actual shooting took place. With Celeste attempting to both poison her husband's food and even one instance where after being rendered unconscious by alcohol and sleeping pills, the two women attempted to actually suffocate him with a plastic bag over his head. Like I Tra said, how do you just keep, like, he's, he, he's, he's at the dinner table when that happens, too. Like, he I mean, passes dude, out at the table, and they come in, they try and suffocate him, and they're like, ah, oh, I can't do it. And they just take the bag off, and then just leave him there. Like I said, like, Stephen just wakes up at the dinner table, like, facing some potatoes, like, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Was in those <laughs> like, like seriously got the itis dude. from that turkey real I quick. Mean, you like, gotta remember though. I mean, he's he's seventy years old too. Oh yeah. Right? I mean, I do get that. But like uh, I said, there's just old. there's a couple times you're like, Steve. I know you're not you're not oblivious. You're not ignorant, but yeah. Take a look around, my man. <laughs> yeah. Now Tracy claimed, and and I kind of believe her here. She claimed that she couldn't go through with that intimate of a killing, as far as suffocating someone, because you know Celeste can't either. Celeste needs someone to fight her battles for. Her. Um, and so she initially tried to back out of the situation altogether, but after Celeste again threatened to take her own life, as she always does, if something wasn't done about her husband, Tracy gave in. So Celeste knew about the gun that Tracy had and suggested that she come to the home late at night and use the shotgun on Steve. I mean, it seems pretty cut and dry. Yeah, then you don't have to you don't have to strangle him. You don't have to look at him. You can just walk in in the dark and pull just the trigger and shoot leave. it in his direction, right? Yeah, just just walk out the door. You never have to even look. Yep. Um, but when the women met up one last time to discuss the killing and how it was going to go down, Tracy says that she had three requests for Celeste that she was all too eager to agree to because she knew whatever she had to do to get her, get her way. Oh, she had no so, she had no intentions of honoring these requests. She was just no. like, yeah, 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 whatever you want, whatever you want, yeah, yeah, yeah. Initially, Tracy sought a loving home for her animals and that Celeste took up the responsibility of covering Tracy's legal expenses if she were to be caught. And then lastly, she agreed to provide any assistance to Tracy if she would need any if she found herself in prison. So those kind of the same things, but still, either way, those are what the women agreed to. After each of her terms were agreed to, the women laid out the steps in how the night was supposed to go down. So, when Tracy would arrive at the house, Celeste would guide her through the parking area, the front door, and then to Stephen's bedroom. Tracy made sure to tell Celeste about her shotgun, emphasizing that the spent cartridge casing would be discharged onto the floor. Yeah, these things don't so, just stay in the clips. Somebody needs to pick that up. Uh, it would then be on Celeste to dispose of these casings once Tracy had left. Moreover, Tracy insisted that Celeste had given her word about waiting to call 911 in case Stephen didn't die after the initial blast. 
I mean, she did actually keep her word on that. I mean, I, she she didn't call 911. No, Steven, Steven did on his own accord. Yeah, luckily Steven had like a bedside phone back in the 90s where you had that. Like some yeah, people he, had a bedside phone and he was able to just reach over and call 911 himself. But yeah, yeah, he probably would have passed right there in the bed if he didn't have the strength to call 911. Oh, Seriously. yeah, he was going to lose enough blood. where Because I, I don't think, like, if she didn't hear the shotgun and he wasn't able to call for Christina, I don't think Celeste is going to come help him. Exactly. Also, uh, another promise Celeste had made to Stacy or Tracy, I'm sorry, was to deactivate the alarm system and ensure that the doors were unlocked before her departure. Uh, you know, just like the findings at the home that morning. So that was that was confirmed by police. She did do that part at least. Now, for the most part, everything did go almost to plan. But unfortunately for Tracy, Celeste wasn't as thorough as she hoped she'd be, since obviously the shotgun shell had been recovered by police at the scene. Uh, Tracy knew that Celeste had either missed it during all the chaos, or more likely, she just left it there on purpose. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the only physical evidence tying somebody else to the crime. I it mean, solves if, all of her problems. Yeah, I mean, like, what if the police just happened to find that? This woman is literally faking a lesbian relationship to control this, the Stacy. Tracy. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, why do I keep saying Stacy? I, I don't know Almighty. if she's faking a relation, a, a lesbian relationship. I do. She she may have been bisexual or did have relationships with men and women, but she was she was yeah. Faking but Andy, the, as soon as she emotional... got what she wanted from Tracy, she immediately went back to a man. Dude. Yeah, she was she was faking the emotional connection. Come on. She was faking the emotional relationship and this. This I need you. We are inseparable. Well, she always did that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, she may have had like you know like I said bisexuality or or bisexual you know relationships, but the the love that she was saying that she had with Tracy. That was complete fabrication. Right. Yeah, and she confessed to police that the two had continued to stay in contact with each other after the shooting and even offered up another bit of damning information against her former lover, Celeste. Tracy claimed that after she spoke with her, she confided in her that she was already planning to bring Stephen home without the help of medical personnel telling her that she was going to infect Stephen's wound herself and that it would appear as though he had simply succumbed to his injuries once he returned home. Ooh, this is some damning evidence. I, I did wonder, because they never really, they never clarified anywhere that I could find if whether or not Tracy, if this information had been made a, like public to Tracy, like the cause of his, of Stephen's actual death later on, if they, if like his bringing home had been made, you know, public knowledge to her, or if she was actually like telling these things and the cops were like, well, that's stuff you didn't, you wouldn't know from where you were. Like, so yeah, that all lines up. Exactly. More than likely, that's probably what it was. Yeah, I'm sure when he passed, they immediately came and got her, arrested her, and said that he passed. But they probably didn't say why. Yeah, they probably didn't say he went home, had sepsis, and stuff like that. They're no. like, nope, he's, you know, he has succumbed to his wounds. You're now being charged with murder. Yep, yep. So once Tracy came forward with her side of the story, the police quickly went to work getting an arrest warrant for Celeste. Tracy would end up pleading guilty to the murder charge brought against her, but only after accepting a deal that would have her testify against Celeste in court. So, that brings us to the trial. On March 28, 2002, Celeste Beard Johnson was apprehended and faced charges of first-degree murder, second-degree murder, and causing harm to an elderly individual. Initially denied bail, she later filed an appeal which resulted in her release on a $500,000 bond. State officials had requested a bail amount of $8 million. 
So yeah, they knew she had enough money. She had a lot of money. So they were yep. trying to make like they were trying to make it so she didn't want to like you know pay bail. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she got she had a good enough lawyer to chalk it down to five hundred thousand. So yeah, we yeah. pay five grand. We or, see this pretty often with the, with these masterminds behind crimes. The people who don't actually pull the trigger. The people who don't actually do the killing and whatnot. A lot of times they will get slapped on the wrist with a with a easier bail. I guess because they think, you know, the spotlight's on them now. These people don't have the guts to commit these crimes. It's not like releasing a serial killer on bail. Yeah. Someone who has the compulsion to kill and hurt people, right? You're releasing somebody who is, you know, they're like an instigator. They're a behind-the-scenes type person. They have to fool people to work for them to get what they want. So sometimes the bail will be set lower because they themselves are not such a danger to society, I think. I think, personally. Yeah, as like a manipulator. Yeah. So now with her trial set to commence, Celeste would not only have to face the testimony of her former lover, who she left holding the bag, but also the testimony of her recently employed personal assistant, and even more devastating still, her two twin daughters. And one of them don't like her. Her personal assistant's testimony is genuinely pretty funny to me. We'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, her personal (laughs) assistant... kind of want to give a high five to, but we'll get to it. So during the trial, the prosecution depicted Celeste as a manipulative gold digger. I think that was pretty easy to do. Yeah, Motiv- I, don't think that was a, I don't think that was a hard <laughs> That was turn. not a hard sell. That was not a hard sell. Uh, but yeah, motivated solely by financial gain. I would totally agree. Um, as her out-of-control spending habits strained her marriage, she began an affair with another patient who also was in a vulnerable state. Then, convincing her unstable partner that the only way they could ever live happily ever after was if her current husband was out of the picture completely. Yeah, they pretty much nailed it. I mean, the prosecution didn't even have to lie. Yeah, was that they, a rough draft? You they guys did. just pulled out of your ass? Yeah. Or did, you guys, did, you, did you guys read our, our that's, presentation? That's pretty good. That's pretty good, actually. Um, and when Tracy took the stand, she retold the same story that she laid out to the investigators during her confession, almost word for word. I, I believe Tracy. I really do. She even told the jury about the pair's plans to move out to the family's lake house once Stephen had been taken care of. Like I said, Celeste loved that lake house. Mm-hmm. That was her retirement plan. She was like, or that yep. was her like idea. She was like, I'm just get that lake house. That might be where I can just settle down. Exactly. And as damning as it was for Celeste. Uh, for the jury to hear Tracy Painter in such a cold and heartless tone, it was nothing compared to their do- to her daughter's testimonies. Not only did the two women defend their stepfather, they both supported multiple parts of Tracy's story as well. Both twins testified that Celeste openly displayed her contempt for her husband whenever he wasn't around. They each claimed to have witnessed her replacing Stephen's vodka with Everclear and her adding sleeping pills to his dinner, as Andy alluded to earlier. Oh, that's that old school Everclear. That's like that damn near moonshine Everclear. Oh, yeah. That's that old stuff where you're like, I don't, oh, this is, wait, I can start my car with this, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> could start any kind of fire with that. They knew their mother's actions were wrong, but due to the fear of retaliation from her, they kept their mouth shut. Yeah, they're seeing their mother um, like a, attempt to kill their stepfather. What's preventing her from doing it to them? It was even revealed that throughout 1999, Celeste had secretly been seeing one of her ex-husbands behind both of her partner's backs, but it didn't get past Christina. Christina had audio recordings of her mother even, ones that she recorded when her mother had checked back into the hospital in hopes that when she played them back to her, she would realize how crazy she sounds. Unfortunately for Celeste, those recordings not only bolstered the prosecution's case, but it clearly laid out her further plans to try and have Tracy killed as well. After one particular recording was played to the court, they were able to hear Celeste say, I hired someone to kill Tracy. 
Like I said, the reveal after reveal after like every single time <laughs> she, someone talks, they're just like it's she's like relentless. A, it's like a group just <gasps> just the whole jury mm-hmm. like <gasps> every time, every time. She's like the chameleon killer. She really is. I did think about that ex-husband kind of coming back in. It almost made me have like the slightest suspicion that she was trying to just she was trying to have two like possible like outs. Like if I, if I can't get Tracy to do this for me, right. maybe I can convince my ex-husband to do this for me. Exactly. Can get all, like I can convince one of these two people to do this for me. She needed somebody to do her dirty work for her. Mm-hmm. That's that's a fact. And a testimony from her former assistant would show how brash Celeste had started to become with her plans to quote get away with murder. Going as far as having multiple conversations and even sending her money for the explicit intent of hiring someone to take Tracy out. I I want to I want to talk about that just for a second because her assistant this seems like almost like she was trolling Celeste at first just to see how like are you serious? Because her assistant was like they were having a conversation at the casino and her assistant's like I mean yeah you can have anybody taken out for the right price and Celeste is like well like how much like if I gave you if I gave you like five hundred bucks do you you think I, I could, you could find somebody to do that? She's like, yeah, totally, sure. And she just like took the 500 bucks and a few weeks later, she's like, have you any luck on that? She, no, I probably need some more money to probably get somebody to really do like, it. I've been like, more like 5,000. She kept, she did. She was like, I need probably, like, she get like three increments of like $2,500 and yeah. then the, they just kept going on. She's like, have you found anybody yet? She's like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think anybody's biting at this, at this price yet. <laughs> and she ended up paying her like $7,500 in cash and then her assistant just took the money and was like, God, you fucking idiot. <laughs> wow. By the way, it's never that cheap to kill somebody. It is a professional <laughs> hitman. You're not getting a fucking deal, okay? Right, not getting it. You're not finding him <laughs> on Craigslist and you're not getting a deal. I don't care how good of a negotiation you are do they have a black friday sale yeah there's not a they, you don't have a coupon for cyber man what if you hit on cyber monday on the dark web yeah right cyber monday <laughs> small business day small That's business monday <laughs> exactly tax-free weekend something like this i don't know <laughs> i have no idea but uh following a six-week trial involving more than a hundred witnesses the jury ruled in favor of the prosecution and pronounced celeste guilty of capital murder an injury to an elderly individual. So she basically got charged with everything she was convicted of. And Celeste will not be eligible for parole until 2042, when she would be an old lady herself, 79 years old. Maybe when she gets out, somebody will injure her. I don't don't think she's probably... She's not getting out, dude. Nah. Yeah, because like Tracy, Tracy was given twenty-two years for the for the participation, but she she was actually released after like eleven years of minimum service. And after that, whoa, 11 years, Tracy was released. After Tracy 11 was years. released after that. Yeah, and it was because of the fact that I like don't the, know, man. the I don't trial know how I feel about was that. they painted such a good picture to show how Celeste had manipulated Tracy so badly, and Tracy was like she was a bipolar, mentally un, like not mentally ill, but she had she had expressed Unstable, problems with her right. mental health. And she was very easily manipulated by this woman who she believed like loved her more than anything in the world. Like right, right. was her soulmate. So when like Celeste got charged with these crimes, Tracy got kind of off for testifying. She got offered a deal. She got to testify and give all the information. She gets only 11 years. And when she gets out, she actually goes to Celeste's daughters and the three of them like reconcile. Like oh, she wow. actually gets to reconcile with the daughters and the, the three of them agree that their mother manipulated all of them. So mm. it's ne- it was never a good look for Celeste at any point during the trial to see your own daughter's not only defending their stepfather, who you're saying is abusive, yeah. but defending the woman who is openly confessing to shooting him. They're like, they're defending her. In right. Like, to being like, look, listen, we didn't like that you guys were kind of messing around, but you you convinced her to kill him. Like, you, yep. she's the, you're the one who did this. 
Absolutely. Yeah, she's abs- I I understand it in that sense. And I guess and if you consider uh Tracy's history with mental illness, then yeah, I guess it makes it a little easier to understand. Um, but it's just it's so hard to imagine that somebody pulled the trigger and shot someone and got out in 11 years. It's like under 20. It's like, ah, I feel like if you pull the trigger and you'd be 20 years minimum. Yeah. Like you you got to be able to tell people no when it gets to that point. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like we have to live in a society where you got to be able, like, nah, I'm not going to kill somebody for you. I do. I, like, I'm obviously there that, are circumstances, but, but you need to be willing to take the 20 years. She she did take. She was given 22 years of prison, and she but it was but 11, she got out on 11, 11 minimum sir or 11 minimum time. And I do kind of agree that she. You get to kind of fall back on the mental health. You get to fall back on the manipulation and the money and the and the 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 thinking that this woman. Tracy got to say that she thought she was like saving a, some, somebody else's life. She thought right. that either she thought that either Stephen was going to kill Celeste or that Celeste was going to kill harm herself. herself. Yes. So she, thinking that she was doing this, it's almost like playing a, a self defense card that's or true. a savior card. And yes, you you can kind of give Tracy a bit of sympathy in this act. So I can understand giving her a sentence. She's going to pay the price. But she did. She turned on Celeste. She gave her all this information. She gave her the shot. She shows him the shotgun. She's like, yeah, it's my shotgun. The one that you found in there. Yeah, she told me to bring that. Right. Like lays out all this stuff that then Celeste's daughters also back up and be like, yeah, she's telling the truth. We saw all that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, yeah I, can, I can understand the cops being like, yeah, we, we know that you messed up. We know that you you pulled the trigger. You you didn't, you weren't, you know, strong enough in a sense to like say no when it came down to the wire, but you were you were strong enough to then come to us and turn on this woman to tell us That's who true. really she, did the stuff. She did genuinely seem like she was trying to make a better life for herself. And I think she thought that she was going to be able to start over with Celeste. And, mm-hmm. you know, they were going to live happily ever after once this, you know, seemingly abusive person was removed from their lives. Um, and she also had to think, you know, well, I'm not only saving Celeste, I'm also saving her daughters. Yeah. I mean, like, so so in that situation, yeah, I guess I, I, I might have judged her a little a little too harshly. Um, but still, pulling that trigger and you really got to, there's other ways to ground it. Like you could, you know, y'all could get up in the car and go. You could just leave. Right. Then you, if don't it, get if that, it's, then you don't get that millions. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to catch you real quick. You don't exactly. get that millions if you do that. Exactly. So, but that is where a person in their right mind would come to that conclusion and be like, well, why, why won't she just leave him if he's so dangerous and just come with me? If she loves me so much, why mm-hmm. won't she just leave him? Because like Andy said, she can't leave that lavish lifestyle. She can't leave her one true love money. Because yeah, if, if you could have proved that he was abusing you and he was abusing your daughters, you could divorce him and take half his money or more than half. Yeah, I don't know what the divorce it. laws in Texas, but if you're not even going to attempt to prove that divorce and, and right. or that abuse and leave him, yeah, it's a red flag real yeah. quick. And he had a prenup too. She wasn't about to take everything unless he died. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's where them prenups will get you sometimes. Like you think you're being smart with a prenup until your wife kills your ass. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, well, I mean, he signed it. I mean, he did, but he signed it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he signed it. But yeah, Celeste, uh, yeah. she she still maintains her innocence to this day. She has a whole website that we'll link at the bottom of it. There's like a like a I I was wrongfully imprisoned. Oh wrongfully my god! Do- she still maintains that like Tracy was the one who instigated all of it, and her she's daughters a psycho narcissist, were manipulative. Dude. And then her daughters wanted Stephen dead. I'm like, lady, it's when everybody else is saying you're the problem, you might, you be, might the problem. be the problem. If it's, everyone you meet's an asshole, right, Andy? Yeah, we talk about this all the time. If everyone you meet's an asshole. You might be the asshole. Yeah, you might be the asshole. You might be. You might be. But you know what will make you a lot less of an asshole? 
Might make smelling that, good. Might make, make that asshole smell a little better. It will. I don't be. recommend putting it on your asshole, but I mean, it's, you can. You can. It's you all can natural. put it wherever you want, man. You can put it in all the nether regions if you like. And what if you don't know what we're talking about? We're talking about oh my Gaia, right? Oh Andy, yeah, right. We, Sorry, right. We were, we're, what were you? What were you? I was talking, talking Cheetos. Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but no, guys, Oh My Gaia is an all-natural uh, deodorant fragrance and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. That's the key right there, guys. You don't want no aluminum. You don't want no paraben in your armpits or on your skin at all. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor, causing bacteria while still maintaining effectiveness. And like we've alluded to so many episodes before, Oh My Gaia has a scent for you guys, I promise you. And if you don't know where to start, start with True Crime Pine. It's a great one. It's a great way to support the show and support the people who support our show. I feel like um, one of these days, Michael's going to start just bring out like a mandolin for this next part. It's just got yeah. such a rhythm to it where he's just going to be like, uh, vanilla, cherry, almond, sandalwood, lavender, <laughs> lemongrass, Egyptian. Like he's I just going to start actually, jamming it like a little... Like, I've actually done an Oh My Gaia song, yeah, a I just jingle. I feel like it's just going to bring out like the mandolin. Sometime. Yeah, yeah. And I actually mentioned Oh My Gaia in an intro years ago too uh so yeah oh my guy has been with us for a long time guys and there's vanilla cherry almond sandalwood lavender lemongrass gypsum musk coconut dreamsicle leather lumberjack honeysuckle fireside pear sweet pea sailor barbershop and there's new scents being added all the time guys you got to check it out at ohmygaia.com that's o-h-m-y-g-a-i-a.com and because you're true crime guys listeners you can use the code word creeper c-r-e-e-p-e-r for 15 percent off your order 15 percent percent peeps at shop underscore oh my guy on instagram make sure you give them a follow and also oh my gaia.com o-h-m-y-g-a-i-a.com don't forget to use word code word creeper and tell her true crime guys sent you hey All michael right? did it right this time didn't try and give that 50 percent off i did like not every try to time. give the 50 percent off michael uh-huh. just keeps trying to slide in those right? freebies every once in a while <laughs> that's take right it, just take it <laughs> she's gonna smell good i'm smell gonna have good. to start selling my own supply yeah, come on start smelling good uh, <laughs> But guys, thank you so much wherever you're listening to the show, wherever you're watching. And if you happen to be watching on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell so you guys can help us grow, help us succeed here. And of course, you'll know when new stuff is released. And of course, the best way to support the show is Patreon, patreon.com slash true crime guys, where for just two bucks a month, you can get access to all of our vault episodes dating all the way back to early 2017, back when we had Lauren as our host and all the way up till I think it's episode 50 something. We're getting, we're going to end up putting the first 100 episodes in the vault by the end of the year, guys. So check those out. But if you miss them and they're already in the vault, if you, miss, if you want to hear the first 50, you can check that out for just two bucks. There's also a $7 free trial on Patreon right now, which will be ending at the end of the year. January 1st, we will no longer be doing seven-day free trials, guys. So just a warning now, you can jump on there now for seven days on the $2 tier, but really, the treats are on the $5 tier, guys. $5 a month, you get access to everything we make here at True Crime Guys Productions. And all of our catalog now is divided into collections on Patreon. So you don't have to scroll through this endless list of random content that you're not ready to listen to. If you want to just go jump on there and listen to all the True Crime Guys Patreon exclusives, you can. They're all together in a list. You can listen to them in order, month after month. If you want to listen to Strange Shorts, uh, with myself and Andy. If you want to listen to Just the Banter, there is nearly a hundred episodes of Just the Banter with myself and Lauren, a few with Andy as well. Every show we've ever done, Higher Thoughts, Sandu Stories, 
The whole collections are on Patreon. Patreon.com slash true crime guys. I guarantee you it's entertainment for a long time. You want to ignore some family members over the holidays? Get on Patreon. There's tons of content for you. Or you want to keep some family members out of your hair for the holidays? Give them a subscription to Patreon. Give them a subscription. There you <laughs> Sign go. Sign them up for Patreon.com. <laughs> Send them a link to it. Keep them out of your hair for the holidays. Right. Use their credit card. Just put grandma uh, with some uh, noise-canceling headphones in, sit her in front of the fire, just leave her alone. Boom. Boom. We'll charm the pants right off of her. That's right. That's right. We'll do our best. All right, guys. But that's pretty much uh, it for this crazy love triangle. I hope you guys enjoyed this case. Um, like we said, there's many documentaries and whatnot on YouTube. They're all linked below in the sources of this very episode. You can check out that Oxygen uh, show as well, Snapped. It was the very first pilot episode. And uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Everything that we've mentioned, guys, there's links right below the description of this episode, including sponsors, Oh My Gaia, TrueCrimeGuys.com, our YouTube channel, everything. All right, I think that's pretty much it. Guys, we will see you next week for another free episode, and then we'll be back on Patreon after that. You got anything, Andy? I don't think so, man. I'm ready to get out of here. Put my jacket back on. All right, man, let's chill out. Another week in the books. Guys, until next week, just keep on creeping. All the lies and secrets Like guts on the floor Here's my word You can keep it God knows what What's up, Creepers? If you enjoyed the music in this episode, you can find this track, Shotgun Blast, wherever you listen to music. On Spotify, Apple Music, wherever. Pandora, along with many other True Crime Guys originals. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Keep creeping.